Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Pod Extra, bringing you the latest energy developments in these unprecedented COVID-19 times. Joining us today is Björnar Tonhaugen of Rüster Energy. A warm welcome to you, Björnar. Thank you. These must be extremely busy times for analysts uh, looking at the oil markets uh, as you do. Definitely. It's probably the busiest time I have ever experienced uh, in my 13 years as oil market analyst, actually. Oh, really? Wow. Are you working from home mainly, Bjorn, as well? Yes, absolutely. We are following the lockdown in Oslo. So I've been working from home for the past week and a half now. Okay. How's that? I'm coping. It could have been worse uh, right now. My kids are having a home school somewhere else. So I'm actually allowed to uh, to actually continue to work as, as normal. Okay. If it wasn't for that, not much uh, would have been done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would be quite uh, hectic then. So I, I imagine the, the days are quite long and, and uh, full of work, basically. Um, no, definitely. We're working uh, working kind of double shifts at the moment uh, in the oil market. But that's because we also have clients uh, all around the globe with all kinds of time zones that need uh, services. So that's the way it is right now. I mean, let me start off by asking you, Bjorn, about how the coronavirus is impacting world demand. I mean, at the moment, what are you seeing world oil demand and how much worse could it get before it gets any better? Ooh, yes, that's essentially what I want to discuss, actually, because I'm not I'm not sure that everyone and everyone listening is aware of how deep this contraction in physical oil demand actually is because of these lockdown measures being taken all around the world now. We have had discussions with all kinds of uh, market participants from oil traders to refineries to uh, retailers of various oil products to the European market. And the numbers we are hearing that they are talking about are even worse, actually, than the latest numbers we are using for the demand loss now because of the COVID-19 containment measures. So, you know, the oil market is in size is, is 100 million barrels a day. And it's around a nice number to kind of remember. Uh, and typically in a normal year without any coronavirus outbreak, the demand might be growing to the tune of like 1 million barrels per day from the year before. So then the oil market was kind of expected in January to grow to a 101 million barrels a day market in terms of total oil. The numbers that we are now talking about in terms of demand is more in the 90 million barrels a day market or even lower in the month of March uh, that we are now soon exiting and also we believe that the demand losses will accelerate into April so we could be talking about a 85 million barrel a day demand market Uh, and you know 15 percent type of loss of oil demand is totally unheard of yeah Um, Yeah, i mean that's that's enormous yeah it is so large that these types of supply demand analysis that most are doing to kind of gauge where oil prices might be heading these types of analysis just fall apart because when demand is so low you don't have enough storage capacity in the world to absorb this uh, excess of uh, production of oil that is happening because of the demand loss So now we're in a situation where production just essentially at some point needs to partially shut down as well. Otherwise, this doesn't work. Uh, And the longer production 
kind of sustains its momentum and doesn't shut in and uh, a lot of flows go into storage, the deeper the uh, oversupply becomes and the lower the price of the commodity needs to go. So we are we have only seen the beginning of, let's say, this uh, price route actually in the oil market. Okay, we had a little recovery today up to around 27, but uh, if I understood you understand you correctly, you know, we could go sub 20, even down to low towards 10. Would that be uh, yes. uh, uh, fair enough? No, absolutely. There's a fair chance that we might need to go down to the teens. And for a short period of time, we might also see Brent, for instance, below 10. It, it will depend on how quickly production actually uh, responds now globally. Then I'm first and foremost talking about uh, upstream uh, oil production from all corners of the globe. Uh, a lot of market uh, observers now are, of course, very interested in the response in the U.S. shale and how quickly one can potentially lose production momentum and, and production volumes from the U.S. shale. But that in itself is by far enough to, uh, to balance this sort of oversupply. So here we will probably see uh, surprising news in the oil market that there is not enough storage in various corners of the world. Various uh, upstream operators just are forced to uh, temporarily shut in production because there's no takeaway demand or takeaway capacity for that oil they are currently producing. Sure. I mean, if we turn to the supply side a bit here, Bjorn, um, so we're seeing oil prices, as you've mentioned here, their lowest uh, for nearly two decades. But what will it take to get OPEC and Russia back to the negotiating table? And, and do you think they would discuss cuts? Is that even on the agenda? Production cuts, that is. Yeah, that's a very uh, interesting topic right now. Uh, and of course, uh, it would only be speculation in terms of how those uh, two energy ministers essentially are are thinking now but given the uncertainty about how the covid-19 containment measures and the and the spread will let's say succeed to be contained we need clarity first uh, in terms of when potentially these restrictions might be uh, considered uh, lifted so that we can at least have some sort of uh, pathway to a return to normality in terms of normal activity in the economies that are shut shut down now uh, with travel restrictions. And when we get some clarity around that, then it's also easier for them to, um, to take any uh, measurements on how deep would a production, additional production cut need to be to have any impact on the market and prices. Until we get to a point like that, it, it makes total sense for them to just continue thinking of, uh, of their own interests, trying to uh, survive, get as much oil revenue and other energy revenue into their economies as, as possible in a survival of the fittest type of mode. Who are the winners and the losers here? And, and could you say something about potentially the strategy behind the, the Saudi move here? I think in general here, everybody is a loser, actually. So then it's more about relative terms, who might be a bit better off during these very difficult times for the oil, oil industry. Okay, companies with solid balance sheets, diversified portfolios, long-term strategy, and that are not necessarily only dependent on one or two quarters ahead of solid cash flows, because then those companies 
uh, would be uh, so punished in the stock market that they would essentially kind of need to at some point file for bankruptcy. Uh, the ones that are in that situation would be, of course, the first losers. And the more solid majors, etc., would come out at least hurt, but would, of course, survive through this. Uh, so that's in the very short term. And then depending on how deep uh, and long this kind of contraction in the market will last, the impact on future upstream spending plans and capital budgets uh, is, of course, very important because the oil field service industry would in any case here be losers and some segments more than others. But also what I'm thinking about is what might the world look like and also the energy market look like after this COVID-19, let's say, apocalypse uh, is over. Will we return back to normal levels of activity, travel uh, and oil demand levels? Or will we actually come back to a lower path? because people might be traveling less and doing more business meetings online and stuff like that, and also thinking about more the overall environment as this was a kind of a wake-up call. So if that happens, then the entire industry would, of course, be worse off than before this crisis, also after it ends. That kind of brings me into my my final question, Bjorn, which is, do you think these low prices could force sort of big oil, the big oil majors to look more towards renewable energy, for example, or to expand in that field? Or is the opposite true that, you know, these low prices will make it harder for renewables to compete with oil? Yeah, that's essentially two schools of thought now that, you know, the jury is probably still out on deciding. I think both scenarios are possible and plausible. I'm not sure yet what I believe uh, most in because it's a bit early, but I think there are good, uh, there's a good rationales for that both of these things could actually happen. You could have a scenario where uh, oil prices are much lower than anybody expected for at least a year or two, spurring more demand for oil in the recovery and delaying the energy transition for a little bit. Or we go more in fast-forward mode. Where do you side, Bjorn? I'm a bit undecided currently. As an oil market analyst, I would say hope that the oil uh, industry uh, is, is still here. It is needed for several decades ahead, also in the energy transition. But it would, of course, be very positive for global climate, for everyone on this planet, if we can have a sustainable, faster move towards renewable energy for everyone's sake. Bjorn, thank you very much indeed for for joining us and sharing your views on what's happening uh, in the oil markets uh, amid this coronavirus apocalypse, as you say. Thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, listeners, that's all for today. Uh, Remember to tune in every day at 5 o'clock CET on covid19.montelnews.com via the Montel website and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please remember to tune into the Montel Weekly as well every Friday, where we'll be bringing you all the relevant energy market news and updates. Thank you. Bye.